Well, hey everyone, welcome to March. We're making it, friends. We're making our way through this COVID winter and on to better days. We can see grass again in our backyards. Spring is officially two weeks away. Vaccines are rolling out. Governor Baker is slowly opening things up in Massachusetts. And here at Grace, we are making plans for a phased-in approach to reopening our buildings and relaunching our ministry on the other side of Easter. Now, we're going to take it slowly at first, week by week, kind of building capacity as we make our way through spring and into summer. Now, we'll share the plan more fully in two weeks on March 21st. But for now, just know that we are excited to begin putting some dates on the calendars and, and to begin looking forward to being together again before too long even if it does mean getting out of our pajamas to go to church. And in case you hadn't heard, we'll be kicking things off with sunrise services for each of our campuses on Easter morning. So you can check your campus e-news or the website to sign up for those. But here we are today in week three of our Fast Forward series, as we practice giving up something good to experience something better. So far, we've tried fasting from food and drink and fasting from social media. Now, I don't know how it's gone for you, but personally, I can tell you that uh, giving up social media was a whole lot easier than giving up my daily Dunkins. Now, we're not giving things up to impress God or to punish ourselves. We're giving things up to make space in our lives, space that God might fill with things that are more satisfying than coffee and Facebook. And I hope you've had some meaningful and satisfying experiences with God and with fasting uh, these past couple of weeks. We'd love to hear about them. So feel free to share your fast-forward stories with me or with your campus pastor. And if you haven't given fasting a try yet, or, or if you have tried and it's not going so well, that's okay. It's why we call them practices. <laughs> It can take a while to get the hang of them. So let's get into our fast and our practice for this week, which I'll tell you about in just a minute. Back in the 1980s, a geeky theoretical physicist named Michael Goldhaber made some startling predictions. As he looked to the future, he saw the rise of reality television, increased shamelessness in politics, oversharing as a cultural norm, and the complete dominance of an emerging electronic network that we now call the Internet. And what scared him most about all of this was how it had the potential to destroy our ability to focus, to pay attention to things that really matter. And according to a recent New York Times article, at the age of 78, Goldhaber is speaking again. Now that the internet has literally taken over the world, he's reminding us that human attention is a finite resource. We only have so much attention to give in a certain day. And there are so many sources, more than ever, competing for that attention. And when we pay attention to one thing, we end up ignoring something else. No matter what we like to tell ourselves, science has shown that we can't multitask. 
You can't listen to a sermon and shop online at the same time. So put down your phone. And, and uh, seriously, we, we only have so much attention to give in the course of a day. And whoever commands that attention has the power to shape not only what we think about, but what we buy, how we vote, where we work, who we date or become friends with, and where we turn for help when life gets hard. So Goldhaber warns us, pay attention to where you pay attention. And I think we'd all agree it's harder than ever to do that. I mean, many of us can remember a time when, when there was no email, no newsfeed, no social media, no Google, no online shopping or dating or gaming or stalking, no phone buzzing or binging in our pocket demanding our attention. We think about how much headspace was freed up by the absence of those things. Think about how much easier it was to pay attention to who you were with or what was in front of you at the moment. And I realize that, that many people listening today have never known a world without all that noise and distraction. Well, fasting is a way of helping us pay attention. It removes some of the clutter and distractions of our lives so we can focus on important things, things we might have overlooked or ignored. Instead of focusing on our desire for food, we focus on our desire for God. Instead of focusing on what other people are up to on social media, we focus on what God is up to in the world around us. As we're going to learn today, instead of focusing on what our news feed is telling us, we're going to focus on what God is telling us in his word, the scripture. Remember that the premise of this series and of the spiritual practices is that if we want to do what Jesus did, we have to live like Jesus lived. We have to order our lives around the things and activities Jesus ordered his life around. And one of those things was Scripture. I went back and worked my way through the whole Gospel of Luke again. And I was amazed at how many times Jesus called out the words of Scripture what we would call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. When Satan came after him in the wilderness, tempting him three times, every time Jesus fended him off by saying, it is written. When Jesus launched his ministry in his hometown of Nazareth, he read from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. When religious leaders challenged his disciples for working on the Sabbath, he said to them, have you never read what David did? When a lawyer asked him what, what he had to do to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus asked in response, what is written in the law? When he raised a ruckus in the temple, he justified his actions by, by quoting, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Jesus was able to do what he did to say what he said, to love the way he loved because his imagination was fueled 
by the words and stories of Scripture. He ordered his life in such a way as to make space for those words and stories to take hold in his mind and heart and will. Now, to what degree is that true of us? How might we order our days to make space for God and his word? Well, let's turn to, to one of the stories Jesus told to help us understand the role that Scripture can play in our lives and how fasting can help us pay attention to what we're paying attention to. It's one of the parables of Jesus. It's found in Luke chapter 8. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than that what was sown. Jesus is, is describing a, a very common sight in the ancient world. A farmer has a, has a bag of seed slung over his shoulder. And as he walks through his field, he scatters the seed onto the ground. Now, in most of our Bibles, this section is entitled, The Parable of the Sower. The thing is that the sower is a relatively minor character in this story. In fact, you could make the argument that, that the sower is a little bit careless or reckless in the way he just tosses this seed around. The story isn't really about the sower. It's about the seed, and it's about the soils. So let, let's think about the seed for a minute. The thing about a seed is its potential, right? I mean, a seed looks like nothing. Seeds are generally small, dull, hard, and, and they appear to be lifeless. I mean, what could possibly come of such an inconsequential thing. But we know that a good seed in the right soil can produce flowers or fruit or a full-blown tree. I came across this story here of a guy who grew a corn stalk in his backyard that produced 28 ears of corn, a world record. And here's the thing, it was an accident. He didn't intend to plant anything. He was just feeding the birds in his backyard. He figures a squirrel must have found a corn kernel, buried it in the ground, and then forgot about it. I mean, that's how much potential is in a single seed. It can produce flowers, fruit, shade, and wood or fiber from which to make all kinds of items. Well, a few verses later, Jesus tells us that the seed stands for the Word of God, what we would call the Scriptures, Old and New Testaments. The words of God, Jesus is saying, have that kind of potential. They can produce life and lots of it. Beauty, nourishment, shelter, and, and everything you need for building a great life. 
such tremendous potential in these seeds that we call the words of God. The thing is, the seed has to land in good soil. Soil that provides space and protection for the seed, allowing it to, to settle in, to find moisture and nutrients, to put down that first root. Soil is so important that of the four kinds of soil Jesus describes, only one actually produces fruit. Well, Jesus goes on to explain that the four kinds of soil represent four kinds of hearers. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. The soil on the path is hard. So the seed just lies on top, exposed, and gets snatched away by the birds. In other words, there's not enough time for the seed to settle and germinate. He goes on. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. The stony soil provides no space for the seed to, to put down a root that can take hold. The, the tendrils keep running into these hard, unyielding surfaces. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. In thorny soil, the weeds compete for limited amounts of moisture and nutrients. So the seed doesn't get enough of either of them to mature and bear fruit. So if, if we were to draw some, some practical insights from this parable, we might say that with the hardened soil, there's not enough time for the seed to take hold. And with the stony soil, there's not enough space and with the weedy soil, there's not enough focus. Time, space, focus. Three things the Word of God needs if it's going to take hold in our hearts and put down roots and bear fruit. Three things that enable us to pay attention to the Scripture. And without those three things, Jesus says, these seeds, with all their potential, produce nothing that lasts. But there is a fourth kind of soil, Jesus says. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, here's the interesting thing about this story that, that never really occurred to me until this time around. All four of these soils have to be the same in composition, right? I mean, remember, it's all one field. The hard soil on the path is only inches away from, from the softer soil, not on the path. The stones and thorns would have been present right in the midst of or right alongside the other good soil. So, so the only difference between the good soil and the other soils 
is that the good soil was prepared. Someone had been paying attention to it, turning it over with the plow so the seeds had soft, protected places to land and settle in, clearing away the stones so the the seed had room to put down roots, pulling out the weeds so the seed didn't have to compete for moisture and nutrients. And and, and that that attention, that, that preparation, allowed the seed to do its thing, to produce a crop a hundredfold, Jesus said. So so when it comes to, to the seed that we call God's word, all it requires to produce fruit is a good and noble heart, a heart that hears and retains and perseveres. In other words, a heart that pays attention. So, so let's get practical and, uh, and, and personal for a minute. What kind of soil are you? How well are you paying attention to God's Word? Are you giving it enough time and space and focus to really take hold in your heart, to put down roots and bear fruit in your life? Well, you're giving an hour or so of your time right now as you watch this service. So that's a good start, especially if you make it a weekly practice. And if you're giving it your full attention, watching from the start and eliminating distractions. And if you're allowing yourself a little time to linger after the broadcast ends, sitting quietly for a moment, talking to God about about what you heard, or maybe talking to someone who might be watching with you. Now, I I know that can be easier said than done. A couple times this past year, we've watched services with our grandchildren. And it's a whole different ball game than just the two of us watching from our couch. I mean, they thought it was hilarious that I was on the screen and sitting next to them at the same time. And I know some of you, are contending with those kinds of distractions and challenges every week. So so if it helps, let me just give you permission to to set your kids up with a show of their own to watch if if they're too young to hang with the service. Or or even to press pause on the service and, and come back to it later when they're taking a nap or something. So that's a good start, but but I think we'd all agree that an hour or so of listening rather passively to God's Word isn't enough time or space or focus for it to really take hold and put down roots. So hopefully you're setting aside some regular times during the week to, to spend time in the Scripture finding some comfortable and conducive space that that allows you to concentrate and to reflect, but not so comfortable that that you fall asleep while you're at it. Now, first thing in the morning has just always worked best for me. Before any of those thorny weeds have a chance to spring up and and compete for my attention. I'm, I'm careful not to check my email or newsfeed or calendar or even the weather until after I've spent some time reading and interacting 
with the scriptures. Underlining a verse or two, writing a few lines in my journal, or just talking to God out loud about what I've just read. But maybe you've never been too successful at setting aside quiet time like that. Or maybe you have been doing that, but the whole thing has gotten a little stale. You're not getting that much out of it. Well, that's where fasting comes in. Fasting helps us pay attention. The time and space and focus we give to food or drink or or anything else is, is now freed up to give to God, to prayer to scripture, to service, or to to, to any kind of spiritual practice. So so my suggestion for this week is to fast from your news feed or from some similar form of content that occupies your attention. Now, I'm not really a news junkie, but, but I'm sure I spend at least 10 or 15 minutes every morning scrolling through the news feed on my phone. And I'll likely check it once or twice again during the day. Not just to keep up on current events, but so as not to miss some outrageous or provocative story that's suddenly trending. I mean, let's face it, those news feeds are designed to literally capture your attention, to keep you scrolling with clickbait titles like, you won't believe this dog's dance moves, now, I don't care how, how well that dog can dance. Does he really deserve three minutes of my daily supply of attention? Because the truth is, it's not just the dancing dog. It's the link to the singing cat and the piano-playing parrot that's going to suck me in for another five or ten minutes. Now, in case you're not seeing the connection between your newsfeed and fasting, well, think again about the term News feed. News feed, as in food, as in something we turn to to fill the hunger in our souls for truth, for ideas, for stories. Our imaginations feed on these things. And if we're not careful with the media's ability to capture our imagination, and the algorithmic powers of the web to curate our content, we can end up being discipled by our newsfeed rather than the Word of God. I'll say that again. We can end up being discipled by our newsfeed rather than by the Word of God. So we're going to suggest taking a break from all that content this week. Now, if the news feed is not a thing for you, maybe it's a podcast you listen to every week or, or, or one of the morning shows on TV or a blog that you follow or an audio book that you listen to on your commute. We're not giving those up because there's anything inherently wrong with those sources, but because they can occupy so much space in our imaginations that there's not much space left for God. So our suggestion is that you use that time and space to pay attention to Scripture in one form or another. So you might might use those minutes to read Scripture. 
I mean, even 10 minutes would allow you to read two or three chapters easily. You could join us in, in reading our way through the Gospel of Luke during Lent. There are some reading resources and guides for you at, uh, at our website, grace.org Lent. So you could use those minutes to read. You might use those minutes to memorize a verse or a passage of Scripture. You put it on your phone, carry it on a card in your pocket. You see, once you memorize something, you have it with you always at the ready. When Satan came tempting in the wilderness, I don't think Jesus pulled a scroll out of his backpack and went looking for a verse. He had those scripture verses at the ready. They were in his mind. They were on his heart because he'd memorized them. The Kidstown families are, are working on a memory verse for the month. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and don't lose hope. Wait for the Lord. Now, the kids will get a prize at the end of the month if they memorize it. But you know what? So will we. Jesus promises it will bear fruit in our lives. So you can read, you can memorize, you might use those minutes to meditate on a passage of Scripture. Take a verse or two or three and just turn it over in your mind for a few minutes. Read it out loud a couple of times. Look and listen for a word or a phrase that, that jumps out at you and ask yourself why. Does that word or phrase speak for you? Does it put into words something you're feeling? Or does that word or phrase speak to you? Does it tell you something you need to know? Uh, when Jesus quoted Psalm 22 from the cross, My God, why have you forsaken me? He was allowing Scripture to speak for him to express the agony and the aloneness of what he was feeling. And when he quoted Deuteronomy 3 to Satan in the wilderness, man does not live on bread alone, he was allowing Scripture to speak to him, to guide him in a time of testing. Reading, memorizing, meditating, these are all ways of, of paying attention to Scripture. And fasting helps us do that. It frees up time and space and focus so that we can be more intentional. Now, a fourth way of paying attention to Scripture is to study. It's probably going to take more than 10 or 15 minutes to do that. But when we practice fasting from just about anything, it awakens within us a hunger for God and His Word. And so, Try studying God's Word, maybe now in this season of Lent. Get hold of some commentaries. Sign up for a course online. Join a Grace Chapel group so you can read and reflect and study with other people who might help you see and hear things you might have missed on your own. A few weeks ago, we talked about uh, reading while black or white or poor, or powerful. We learned how helpful it is to read the Bible in community with, with people from other cultures and other life experiences. 
Last Sunday, Pastor John helped us to hear Jesus teaching on prayer from the perspective of Korean-American immigrants. And I hope you found that as enlightening as I did. Read, memorize, meditate, study. All this to say, pay attention to where you pay attention. And fasting helps us do that. When we fast from food or drink or social media or the news feed or anything that requires our attention, it creates space in our lives for other things. And when we make space in our lives for God's word, it takes hold and puts down root and bears fruit up to a hundredfold, Jesus said. Now, a word of caution and then a story to finish up. A word of caution. It, it can take weeks or even months for a seed to sprout. It can take months or even years for a plant to bear fruit. And it can take years or even decades for a tree to reach its full potential. So, so don't expect overnight results from things like fasting and praying and meditating on Scripture. Farmers have to be in it for the long haul. And so do people who want to be like Jesus. It takes time for God's Word to bear fruit in our lives. But it will. God promises that it will. He tells us in Isaiah, So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When we make space in our lives for God's word, it will take hold and put down roots and bear fruit a hundredfold. Well, two or three times a year, I try to get away overnight for a prayer and study retreat. I usually try to schedule them before a new ministry year or a new teaching series. I, I bring my running clothes, a jug of orange juice, my Bible, journal, hymnal, and a, and a stack of commentaries. And for the next 36 hours or so, it's just me and God. And at the beginning, frankly, it feels kind of daunting. Two days without food or conversation or distraction? Do I really want to do this? Do I really need to do this? My stomach's growling already. I'm already planning what fast food I'm going to get on the way home the next day. But, but then I get started. I open my Bible and, and read for a bit. And I might write in my journal, close my eyes and talk to God a little bit, <laughs> maybe take a little nap, and get up and go for a walk in the woods or along the water. Just talk out loud to God. Then I'll find a big table and just spread out all my Bible and commentaries, my yellow legal pad, and just immerse myself in the Scripture, laying out the next teaching series or whatever. I don't have to worry about what I'm wearing or, or, or what I'm going to have for, for, for dinner or, or what time of day it is or who's waiting for me. At the end of the afternoon... Uh, my imagination and I go for a run 
And I invite the Lord into that space to help me make sense out of all that I've been reading and thinking and studying about. I'll get back and then settle down somewhere with a view, watch the sunset, sing some hymns, talk to God. Next day, I'll get up and do it again. By the time I'm getting in the car to head home the next afternoon, the last thing in the world I want to do is eat. I mean, my mind is so clear. My heart is so full. My spirit is so free. Why mess it up with a cheeseburger? And, and for just a moment, I, I understand what Jesus was saying. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. More than food, Lord, I want you. Now, as, as I put some miles and minutes between myself and that retreat, and as my mind turns toward home and church and all the things waiting for me, my stomach wakes up, and I end up stopping for that cheeseburger, which tastes really good. But, you know, for those couple of days, and, and the spaces I made for God and His Word, it will bear fruit in my life, and in the lives of the many people I serve for months to come, a hundredfold. Now, I realize as a pastor, I have a, a bit more permission, perhaps, to take a two-day retreat than the average person, and I'm grateful for that. And, and, and to be honest, I'll acknowledge that some of those retreats are more meaningful and satisfying than others. But the beautiful thing about fasting and prayer and study and solitude is that they're practices. Anyone can do them. We're allowed to start small, to do what we can for a day or a week or 40 days. We're allowed to try some things and fail and try again until we get the hang of it, until we find the things that work for us. So as you explore these practices during Lent, don't, don't get down on yourself if you mess up. Don't give up if it feels like it's not working. Remember what Jesus promised. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. May it be so, Lord, for everyone listening today. Well, if, if you have a story to share or a question to ask, just send me an email, Brian with a Y at grace.org. And, and what we'd like to do now is to give you a moment to practice what I've been preaching. So in the middle of this next song, we're going to provide you with a little time and space to meditate on a short passage of Scripture. It'll come up on the screen. Read it through once or twice, maybe out loud. Take turns if you're with some people. As you read, listen for the word or phrase that jumps out at you, a word or phrase that speaks to you or for you. And sit with that word or phrase or thought as the song finishes. And then Pastor Tom is going to come back and lead us in a closing time of communion.